0: Scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80s
1: guru skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital.
0: Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome
2: agents to MassCast 71 and another exciting episode review of Mobile Armored Strike Command, the animated series. Coming up, we will take a look at episode 55, Plunder of Glowworm Grotto, which includes our play-by-play commentary, along with audio clips mixed in from the actual episode at the dramatic halfway point and at the conclusion of the episode we will pause to give our impressions and our final verdict with our one to five scale rating then we'll check in with our listeners and announce the results of our online poll and also read back your reviews posted at com. if you want to contribute to these review shows just visit our website look for the mass cast assignment in the right hand column click on the picture and you'll be taken right to our review post with a YouTube video embedded and the poll right there and of course the comments for you to leave your review. Plunder of Glowworm Grotto was originally broadcast on December 13, 1985 in the US and follows mask agent Julio Lopez to New Zealand where he's helping a local tribe preserve their land. He quickly discovers a venom plot to steal pearls from giant clams that live in a nearby cavern. It's up to Mask to foil Mayhem's evil plan. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of Maskcast. With me, as always, is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Lothar to my man Drake.
0: Out of the sky, his rockets ignite. Gets into battle, light faster than light. Flashpoint. Cool.
2: Wyatt, have you done any defending lately?
1: That sounds so familiar but I can't place it. Uh, The
2: characters are from a... I wouldn't say short-lived, but uh, a cartoon show from 1986 called Defenders of the Earth. They did 65 episodes, so essentially like uh, what they did with Mask, produced by Marvel Productions. The main characters I really didn't want to give away, but uh, you got uh, Flash Gordon and Flash's son are kind of the leaders of the group. And you've got uh, several of his friends that make up the team and they go against Ming the Merciless, which was always Flash Gordon's enemy in the show. And I've seen a few uh, episodes like scrolling past uh, Pluto TV. Do you get that?
1: Pluto streaming? Yes, we do. I've not watched it, though.
2: There's a channel on there that does uh, cartoons and I've seen Defenders of the Earth. Um, They actually got a four issue comic book series in 87 written by Stan Lee uh also had some action figures by galoob and i saw some new figures this year come out of toy fair uh in february by NECA, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people uh also had a home computer game released in 1990 based on that and you can actually watch them now over on amazon prime for free so yeah or you can buy the
1: now and i don't I shouldn't re- recognize them, but this is one that's escaped me.
2: Yeah. I, I will admit too. I have never really watched the series, got into the series of the show. 86, 87. I'm not sure where this would have aired. It was, I believe in syndication with the uh, 65 episodes. So probably was just a time that I was watching something else. Transformers, GI Joe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thundercats. Yeah. One of those, but yeah, never got into defenders of the earth, but you know for 20 bucks you can own the whole show over on amazon as well oh, nice. uh so yeah that's a, a fun show if you've never gotten into it i'm actually wanting to check it out myself now
1: <laughs> i'm curious yeah
2: <laughs> so uh that was our little tease uh you know gosh i wish i would have made a list of all these that i've got <laughs> kind of shoehorned into the show uh
1: well, it's pretty just, easy for the first, I would say, 20 to 30, uh, maybe even 40. But after a while, you I've noticed you really have to dig. And I'll tell yeah. you what, you're digging.
2: <laughs> I've, I've been reaching for a long time, let me tell you. Long time. Yeah, I'm not that well-versed in the – I mean, I, I know the 80s, and I know things in just passing, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm digging on this now. All right, well, let's uh, let's put the uh, Defenders of the Earth uh, back in their – I don't know what they have a – Layer a, a place where they stay but uh we'll uh let them fight some crime there and we'll get our mask on get your um, mask on so the big news which uh hit us i think a couple weeks ago yeah. now mask it's it was i don't know what at least a year probably more than a, a year yeah it more than were... a year yeah, they, they announced, announced they were
1: going to have a writer and director, for, well, director rather for the.
2: Right. Yeah, that was the big thing. They were they're going to do a movie. They brought in F. Gary Gray. I think that was in April, either 2018 or 2019. Anyway, it's been a while, and just crickets, 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 crickets uh, didn't appear on any Hasbro plan or uh, schedule, you know, for theatrical release. And then all of a sudden, boom! About Three weeks ago, I think it was, hey, we've got a writer, Chris Bremner, who recently wrote the screenplay for Bad Boys for Life, which was uh, the third installment in the Bad Boy series. That actually did pretty well at the box office. He's also coming back to write a fourth, and he's also tapped for National Treasure 3. So his stock is pretty high in Hollywood now, as far as uh, writing goes, writing screenplays. I like that. I don't know. I haven't got really too much into the bad boys, but, uh, the national treasure, I love those movies. Yep. And, um, uh, I, I can't really tell you how well he's, <laughs> how well he's written movies. Cause I, I don't think I've seen any that he's, uh, you know, penned the screenplay, but I don't know. It still gives me kind of hope. I mean, what do you think?
1: I, I guess there's some hope. There's some kind of action. At least if they've gotten the director, although, it kind of went crickets, like you said. Now they got a writer. It just seems like a very slow process. And one of the comments that's on here is, you know, hopefully by the time I've reached my 60s, the movie will premiere. <laughs> that's one of the comments, because it, it, it seems like it's a very slow mode to get going. And I don't know if that's intentional, I don't, or I don't know if that's like Hasbro yeah. is still kind of slow going very little hope that this is worth the while. I really don't know what Hasbro is thinking, except, you know, I keep plugging away. We have a movie ready to go, Hasbro. Just wake up and smell the coffee. Come on. <laughs> um, in fact, I made the same comment to our, our buddy, Bill Ferris. So, mm-hmm. uh but, I mean, we've been waiting a long time. There's a lot of Mass fans waiting a long time for a movie. I don't know what, what's taken so long, basically. I, I know. Yeah. Movies can take, what, three to five years just to produce and make it into something edited and all. But holy cow, you're just now getting a writer, and it took you a year before that to get the director. Jeez, another year wow. you might find an editor. Another year you might find the cameraman. <laughs> Come on, what the heck?
2: <laughs> well, I think they have some kind of a plan. They just maybe have not you know, got a writer to this point to lay the whole thing out. They've they've got to have some kind of plan, but announcing a director and a writer doesn't mean the movie's still going to get made. And I'm I'm being the, I'm the pessimist now. Really. I am because we've been down this road for years and years and years. And I'm to the point now until I see some actors attached to it and a, some kind of schedule production schedule when they're planning to start filming then I'm on board. Then I'm, I'll be like, okay, we made it here. But I, I really think this is the last chance to get one done because now we're getting so far removed, and I don't know. I've, the, the Fast and Furious movies, number nine is coming out, I think, later this year. It might have been pushed back with the whole coronavirus thing. But as long as that stock is still high I think there's still a chance that'll make it and people would watch it just with the crazy vehicles and everything that's in those movies. But once that fire dies down, we're on nine movies. I mean, um, they may they could make 15, but when that dies down, I think our chances are pretty much gone at that point too. So that's where I'm at. I'm still crossing my fingers. I'm still a fan. I still want it to be made, but it's just, I've been roped along (laughs)
1: That's what for it, so many years. That's what it feels like, and uh. obviously they're doing something. Just before we saw that post, Matt Tracker, uh, aka Bill Ferris, posted that that there was a trademark applied that only really mentions the animated series, but it doesn't really yeah. say anything about new. It doesn't say anything about uh, uh, like a a movie or anything. And just reading what I uh, what I can see. That is all that you know. Mask was was an animated cartoon, yeah. so I guess that's the only way you would have renew the license because yeah. that's what it is. So that that's... tells me that they at least are trying something. They're keeping their trademark alive, but that's all we get. Yeah, so, I think that's all again, that is. I'm I'm like you. I'm I want to be optimistic. I don't want to die. I don't want to forego or or. I'm eager to see... That's what I'm trying to say. I'm eager to see a Masked movie. Obviously, I'm jaded. I want it to be ours. But at the same time, I'm almost like you. I'm like, how long are we going to be roped along just to be found out that, okay, it was just all uh, yeah. a mirage of some sort? So
2: I mean, it's the same way with Masters of the Universe. That, an, another movie has been in development for a decade or more. And many different directors have come and gone, writers... They even attached an actor to it, I think, last year. And, and now it's back off the schedule. So, th- you know, those fans are still going through the same... <laughs> at least they got one. Whether it was good or bad, you can be the the judge of that. But, um, yeah, stuff gets put in development hell or for some reason just it dangles a carrot at you and it's gone. So, anyway, I'm... Yeah. I'm uh, hoping it gets made, but I'm not banking on it at this point <laughs> Till I see a little bit more. But anyway, uh, let's get on to some more happier stuff here. Uh, Carol Wack, who was the guy that uh, gave us the Mask 85 fan comic, he's actually working on Mask 86. Um, I've been meaning to put up the first issue on our website. I have not, but it is up on Matt Tracker's website, if you will go to matt-tracker.com and you can read it there, but uh, I was excited. The, the, I loved the first four issues, and it was more geared towards what I would say, us, uh, yep. our you know fans, uh, more than what we got from IDW, and uh, lot, well, there was a lot of fan service throughout all four books, which I think is what we wanted. We just want the attention. <laughs> we wanted to uh, be more reminiscent of the animated series, and that's what Uh, he was able to pull off for free just in his spare time, which was, uh, I'm very appreciative to that. And so now I guess just from the feedback that everybody has given him, he's on to the next series in mask 86. So I have not reached out, have not uh, talked in, I don't know if he's going to do, you know, another four issues with this one would be great if he did. Uh, But I would encourage you to check it out and check out, the first series mask 85 if you haven't yet because man some great art and just a fun story with those uh books they're just online it's all digital Uh, he just did it out of uh the kindness of his mask heart (laughs) well very appreciative of that though so check those out if you can anything you've got to
1: pass along not really um we've been where I'm, I'm wanting to mark this in a way, uh, so-called market, in that, uh, like Jason just said, we're 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 in an era where COVID nineteen is rampant. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to date stamp that in a way, just to say, you know, the nice thing about podcasts is we can be virtual and never have to right. worry about being in the same studio. And as much as I love my radio station brethren and broadcast fellow broadcasters, it's hilarious to watch. But few radio stations are are left to actually do a live mic and have (laughs) to share the same little foam, the same mic, same mic and and all that. Um, That's what I like about the podcast. I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. Uh, Now that I have some time on my hands, I've been able to catch up on a few podcasts and a few other entities that I've been missing because I'm in my quote unquote back cave for nine, ten hours a day. So, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, yeah, this has been great. In a way because like I said, we can catch up on podcasts. Right,
2: right. It's weird because it's like disconcerting in on one hand and it's totally awesome in the other hand because you get more free time, but then you gotta worry about, oh hey, there's a real threat out there and we yep. gotta be careful. So yeah, everybody out there that's listening, watching, be safe, be healthy. That's what I've been telling people. Um don't go out unless you have to. And if you do go out, make sure you're Washing those hands, sing happy birthday about five times while you're watching, yeah. washing those hands.
1: <laughs> I wasn't thinking anyway. about it. I should have brought, grabbed one of my kids' masks. I was going to say, when you get the mask on, you get the real mask <laughs> on. <you know? laughs>
2: yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, We need to do like a, some kind of screen printing on one of those things for, you know, like spectrum. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, stay safe out there, people. And uh, how about we get over to uh, New Zealand and start talking some mask here?
1: Sounds like it's time to start the mask cast. We quickly fade up to an encampment of aborigines performing a moi challenge. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that one. Which looks like a dance with the chief telling... Julio, about how this is used to welcome their visitors.
0: Wait, they welcome wagon, chief. Now, what do I do now? You pick the fern up and clasp it to your chest if you are a friend. Julio responds that he's definitely a
1: friend, but also asks what happens if we're a foe. The chief responds that in the old days they cut their head off, <laughs> and a little um, ha 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 nervous laugh from Julio, with a little swallow there. Then the chief says that they're civilized now. And another nervous chuckle comes from Julio. The chief then stands and makes a gesture for their silence, and they stop. He then announces that...
0: Tonight we have great cause to celebrate. The Matracker Foundation will help us to preserve our culture. Their representative, Julio Lopez, will join us in our feast tonight. Thank you, Chief Kayataya. Mr. Tracker and his son wanted to be here tonight, but uh, must have been delayed. Uh, they're flying in from Rotura. I uh, guess their arms got tired, huh?
1: <laughs> but no one laughs until the chief asks, comments? And then Julio replies, that was a joke. Then they laugh, and he tells everybody motions that they can all laugh. So hmm. now Chief Taya walks down the center of this tribe and in his ceremonial robe, which then falls off as he turns and proclaims that the warrior's dance will begin. And then the dance just goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. I didn't mind
2: the opening too much. That, uh, joke that fell flat actually kind of yeah. worked for me, you know, uh, and, yeah, I the the names are a little bit ridiculous, so I just went ahead and said chief and tribe, and <laughs> I didn't try to go back and. I get was trying to make it accurate, it, but, but yeah, right. I, it's it's fine. Um, but anyway, yes, the warriors begin to dance uh, with the chief. Julio starts to get dizzy. Or at least that's the the feeling you get when you he's kind of looking at them. He says he's feeling sleepy.
0: F- funny, I didn't feel sleepy a minute ago. Maybe if I walk around
2: them. Huh? And then the whole tribe falls out on the ground. And he realizes it's could be sleeping gas. And he tries to get away from it, but it's too late. And he falls over. And then we... This was a cool transition. We zoomed in on one of the tiki torches there with the smoke coming, the, the sleeping gas, and then it transitions to the geysers near the volcano with them smoking the next day. And it's uh, Matt Scott and T-Bob flying in Thunderhawk over this valley with a volcano in the distance
0: and geysers. Gee, Dad, look at all those geysers and that volcano. That's the way Mango Thermal Valley. It's filled with geysers that the natives tap into for heat and cooking. Do you think we're too late for the ceremony? I doubt it. That storm took us off course, but Julio said that these native celebrations go on for quite some time. I'd rather have quiet some time. I need my beauty sleep.
2: And he shuts his eyes and kind of slouches into the chair in the back of Thunderhawk. I was trying to remember if, there was like a scene where T-Bob is like recharging or asks to be recharged. I, you know, obviously he's not going to sleep, but do you ever remember anything like
1: that? No, he's never mentioned that he needs to be recharged, but it's been a maybe this is the second, third time that he said something about sleep. But the last time, if I remember right, Scott even says robots don't sleep. Mm-hmm. And there was a little, you know, going back and forth there. Yeah.
2: He Scott but, might have mentioned uh he has batteries or something I and mean, he needs to change his batteries maybe at some point, but yeah, I it's couldn't been remember some time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't remember anything about him being needing recharged. Anyway, a little bunny trail there. Uh Thunderhawk lands on a dirt road. That was a pretty cool animation there and continues now onward down the road with the car engine kicking in. Kinda sounded more like a motorcycle there. Yeah. <laughs> was not uh, the Camaro engine you're used to. But anyway, Thunderhawk pulls up to the camp, and they all get out. Scott says, uh, some celebration. They're all asleep. T-Bob says, now that's my kind of (laughs) crowd. Little roll-your-eyes moment there. Matt says, only if you like slumber parties. Yeah, we're going to start with this already. And uh, he kind of asks what's going on. Then he spots Julio still on the ground. He wakes him up. Matt, Scott.
0: What happened, Julio? Last night, a celebration. The torches, that smell, it had to be sleeping gas. Somebody filled the torches with sleeping gas.
2: Now, several tribesmen are starting to wake back up. And T-Bob scoots pretty quickly over to the chief, who has some blue markings on his back. And the chief asks, what's this? Uh, T-Bob says it looks like he has the blues. That was not necessary because um, <laughs> it's blue paint. Right. One of the tribesmen says the village hasn't been touched except for the chief. Uh, so now on the other side of the camp, Scott calls Matt to come look at some of the marks in the dirt. And they determined it was, of course, the landing skids from Switchblade that made those. And it's Venom that's the party crashers. <laughs> I, I can kind of buy into that, I guess. They should know what Venom you know, vehicles. Well, they don't even know looks what fuel
1: like, but... t- they use. They had it spill <laughs> a few episodes ago. And he's like, it's Venom. only they use this fuel. How do you know? <laughs> right, yeah.
2: So uh, Julio asked why they would paint the town or just the chief.
0: I'd better get a sample of that paint and check it out. Satellite link to mass computer. Select best agents for mission in North Island, New Zealand. Julio Lopez, pre-selected.
1: I'm going to jump back a couple ticks because what I noticed, mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's like, the, like they either cut and spliced or there was not a well-directed voice director at this part. And it's back when uh, Matt is kind of quipping that only a few like slumber parties. But he, it was like a flip of a switch or like i said it's almost like a they cut and spliced because like all oh, of you oh, if you like slower parties what's going on here yeah it was kind of quick there it was it very was... quick like it was <laughs> cut and spliced right. not really like yeah. a i know i commented on that but it just that took me for a moment yeah but there's uh, a couple
2: other little mistakes like that yep. to we'll get to
1: <laughs> exactly. But now going back to where we last left off, we get Bruce Sato, mechanical engineer and machine specialist, Thunderhawk co-pilot. His lifter mask could be essential. So he's playing with this little remote control dinosaur when he gets the wrong beep on the watch again. He lets the remote <laughs> dinosaur go and it falls out the window with a bulldog confronting uh, what looks like a little uh, smaller dog. And the dinosaur like spits fire at the bulldog and it's like kind of like, like that, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. They get torched in the face, but nothing happens. They just get that right. surprise look like.
2: Little black uh, face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, Dusty Hayes, he's the all-terrain specialist, vehicle codenamed Gator. Now he's riding on a Bronco when the watch beeps and he basically ejects off the horse <laughs> with the horse actually looking for him. What happened yeah. to my rider? Okay. <laughs> That was weird. Yep. And then Gloria Baker, champion race car driver, black belt in karate. Her vehicle is shark, and she's dancing at a club with some guy. Then when the watch beeps, she slips the guy, the waitress, and
2: disappears. <laughs> yeah, How often I, does that ever happen? <laughs> well, I uh, I put a little note here. Does Matt know you're off to some discotheque with this guy? I mean, come on. Y'all two just uh, been on vacation and stuff, man. They should be hooked up by now.
1: Maybe it's an open relationship, I don't know. <laughs>
2: well, did you notice too they say black belt and karate, so now it's karate, not kung fu. It's always been black belt and kung it. fu. So. They have yeah. no
1: they're they're consistently nope. inconsistent. <laughs> right.
2: Oh gosh.
1: So anyway, we our selection is approved and we assemble mobile armored strike command and at one of the
0: huts, Matt asks if Julio got the results. Well, So far, the paint's not poisonous. But I'd feel safer if we ran it through the computer.
2: Blue paint identified. Commonly used by cartographers on topographical maps to designate spatial relationships.
0: Why would mayhem cover the chief with mapmakers ink? To give him some relief? Of course. A relief map. Julio. The chief's tattoos are different from those of the other warriors. Then Scott races in,
1: showing him that they found a paper map. Matt doesn't like that. He doesn't know what they're after or why. Well, this time it sounds like Matt is actually stumped. Wow. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah.
1: Very few times has he ever stumped. That's right. So Matt turns to the chief saying that his family is with him and he'd feel safer if they were someplace safe.
2: Uh, at least until they're figure out what's going on. And yeah. chief says that they can stay at a place in the mountains and his niece can actually guide him there. This is the uh I believe what they call the Glowworm Grotto that's in the mountains here. Again, I wasn't too uh sharp on the names on this episode, <laughs> so I'm being a little vague here, but
1: I tried my best to make that use my hooked on phonics. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Well, uh Scott of course pleads to stay and that he doesn't want to follow some dumb Oh, but then he checks her out and he gets all wide-eyed. And then he says, girl. <laughs> so Scott's in the girls now. And she introduces herself and rubs Scott's nose with hers. Uh, I was like, okay, uh, I know Eskimos do that, but uh, they're a little far from uh, yeah. the great white north here.
1: Well, maybe um, it's close. It's, they're close to the South Pole. Maybe they're. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Anyway. Uh...
0: It is a beautiful journey to Waitomo. Perhaps my great uncle will take us through the caves lit only by the light of the glowworms. Sounds glorious to me.
2: (laughs) Rolling my eyes. She then rubs her nose on T-Bob and he chuckles. T-Bob converts to scooter mode uh, with Scott and then the girl sitting right behind him and Matt kind of assures Scott that they'll get right back out to him as soon as they can but Scott says, ah, no rush. You know, hot for the girl there. And... (laughs) T-Bob scoots away really quick. Then the mass transport plane is seen overhead and Bruce uh, says, "Hello, Kimosabi.
0: Hey, honorable sidekick. It's about time you got here."
2: He was communicating through his watch.
1: Yeah. I, I I didn't remember that he had done that before. Had he done that before? Once. Did he? He did do use his watch just like Michael Knight, but yeah. it's not very clear because he doesn't do it like Michael Knight. It's more like he just turns well, a little bit. Yeah. Well, that was pretty clear, though. He had his, you know, watch yeah. up there, and there's
2: no other way he could have communicated with Bruce at that point. So I was like, cool, he's got the Michael Knight watch. Uh, anyway, but uh, Bruce uh, chimes in that landing Firefly right now might be difficult with all the trees and hills. Uh, I was like, oh, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. Come on, man. Well, maybe, wait, if, wait. maybe if he's not uh, used to flying Firefly. But... Well,
1: but here, here they... Call the transport plane Firefly. Do you notice that? No, I didn't he think was referring way. to the Firefly, but I swore he was referencing he they made the mistake basically in the script that the freaking transport plane was called Firefly. And then he says then he says Julio's Firefly. Like yeah. okay, now there's two. You
2: I really screwed this yeah, up. I
0: didn't, I, that's yeah, how I, I took it.
2: I didn't take it like that because of this crazy trick that he pulls. Uh if you know Firefly is too difficult to land uh, the Firefly buggy, um, why in the world are you opening up the bay doors and pulling this uh, midair? <laughs> True.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. So anyway, so after he says it might be difficult to with the trees and hills, Matt directs him to some land near a the volcano that he saw. Well, Bruce drops out of the transport plane in Firefly, and then he kind of kicks in the engines and starts flying the thing. I'm like, okay, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he negotiates like this the steam from the geysers. It's kind of foggy there where he dropped out near the volcano where we went through before but he spots some open ground. He says he's going to land it, but then this geyser spouts at him and it caused him to go into this spin.
0: Oh-oh. Oh-oh. It right for permanent press.
2: And he's spinning and he's spinning towards a cliffside. And that is our dramatic commercial break as Bruce is spinning to his death. Uh, He's going to have a permanent press. Permanent press. Yes. That's what the, uh, I'm going to have a permanent press. Um, uh, that, okay. So we're at halftime now that did not sit well with me. Just, I was like, why did you pull that trick off in the first place? Why aren't you looking for a place to put down the transport plane? If you cannot land firefly, yep. you got a bigger problem, man. You got a, a plane. that's about five times the size of firefly that you got to put down somewhere. But that thing's a Harrier anyway, so you can just, you know, set it down. You just need yeah. some open and clear space. So this whole scene, the the drama and all that just went right over my head. It it, it was like totally not normal to, you know, kind of procedures and stuff. And it was like, oh, let's just drop uh, Firefly out and we'll have him, you know, plummet to his death. That'll be our drama this week. <laughs> okay, I mean it just wasn't necessary. So, anyway, I was I was pretty big on that one. What did you think about that whole drama? Oh, keep
1: going. I want to hear your rating.
2: Okay. Well, uh, the story is decent so far. I mean, it's a slow build. Um, we've had these episodes before where we're not getting the full scope of the plan. We're not getting Venom before halftime, which is fine. I'm not. It's not a knock on the episode. Would have liked to maybe get the computers to scan the switchblade tracks or something just to, okay, this is switchblade and not rely on Scott or (laughs) Matt, you know, just making that assumption. Um, and obviously it's always venom that's messing around, but I don't know. I thought that would have been nice to have like some kind of scan there scan with the mask or whatever. Uh, jokes were already getting to be too much for me, the stupid puns and, and all that. I did, uh, obviously, that uh, communication with the watch kind of got to me. I was like, oh, this is cool. Because I didn't remember that offhand if he had done that before. I didn't like that they just called out Bruce, his mask, as the reason to select him and nothing else for the other agents. Right. It was like, okay, uh, we think he's going to be using his mask in this episode. So, yeah, we're going to select him or this mission. But... Uh, <laughs> But they don't tell why Gloria and uh, Dusty is there. I'm like, you could have said uh, cave exploration could be necessary or uh, aquatic vehicle necessary. I, anything just to give me a little bit more of why you're selecting the other agents. Uh, since you did it for Bruce, so I don't care that it's a. It was kind of a dumb reason anyway. But be consistent. Like you said, they're not consistent at all. Um, and then that stupid drama over Bruce's firefly trick that was his own fault so <laughs> even though i i was kind of floundering there uh i i did drop it down to a four so I, I pulled it down a point hoping that it would pick up but i was kind of kind of more towards like a three and a half on there but i've I landed on four how about you
1: well we actually share the same rating That's a rarity in itself right there <laughs> but like you said, it was a decent storyline. A little slow to, to go, but it, you know, we're in another world. We get the, the the tribes people in New Zealand. I like some of the animation, like we saw at Thunderhawk landing and and a few other places that I actually liked it. I liked how they took care of it. Some humor in the call up. They still managed to screw up the watch, but you know, like we said, they're consistent about being inconsistent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We get a little bit of the suspense. It should have been better. Maybe they should have rolled this around. But the suspense of the sleeping gas would have been better for a freaking commercial break, I think. But yeah. it was still a cool little plot. Like, something's going on. What What's going on? Uh, the fact that Matt is stumped for the very first time in his whole life, it seemed like, anyway. That, you know, that's actually decent. Yeah. Scott is finally finding a reason to stay behind and not be involved in something or whining around saying, I wanna go. He's finally Um,
2: growing up, man. That's I took that, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um going to the commercial break, yeah, that yeah. Like you said, I'll leave it at that. It was not not great, but not it was more of a yawn. But again, the downside is we're looking at this from forty four year old eyes, not, you know, eight or nine year old eyes. So Yeah. It's a little different. But he's even joking as he's getting ready to, you know, crash into something. And like you said, it, it, he might have been meaning Julio's Firefly, but I when I watched this, it sounded like they just had a freaking script. A new someone new on the right and had no idea what's what what name was what, and they called the transport plane the Firefly. So now there's two. At least that's how I looked at it. Yeah. Um, and then that, like I said uh, before, the vocal expressions there when when it went, it's like or more more like a cut and paste, not a. Not a smooth transition. It was just a complete vocal yeah. change. That kind of threw me in. That's that's again why I landed on a, a solid four. I'm like you, I wanted to ding it some more, but I'm being okay. optimistic right now.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, good. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So let's uh let's see how Bruce gets out of this.
1: Well, Bruce announces Mayday as Dusty uses backlash to stop the spin cycle, as he calls it.
0: Mayday, mask, Mayday! Backlash! Oh!
1: We see the front door open for the event and Dusty going, woohoo, and adding that Bruce can ride him, cowboy. Bruce transforms and lands Firefly as the transport jet also lands as we fade out. And into the village inside, we see Gloria is impressed and says that the tattoos had more lines than a road map. Matt replies, good guess, suggesting they think it is a map, a family map.
0: I remember when I was tattooed as a young man. The design was the same as my father's and his father's. Kind of like inheriting the family jewels. In a manner of speaking, yes, but the chief can't read it. Perhaps we would be wise to begin at the beginning. Obviously.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Matt replies the Mahare. Yeah, whatever. His uncle. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) who is the one that did the tattoo the chief says that Apero is who they speak of and is his uncle he's the artist then Julio adds that he was the guardian of the glowworm grotto Dusty asks what he's guarding with the chief only knowing that it's a sacred heritage for their people
0: and that's where we sent Scott and Takaha we'd better step on it Scott and the girl are probably there by now if it's sacred or valuable you know who'll be there Let's
1: go. Now we cut to the military theme that I like hearing, and I'm sure Jason likes hearing it too. Yep. As we pan right, seeing Piranha, Switchblade, and Vampire. Then we see the uncle being shoved as Miles presses on him that he needs to show them the secret entrance to the cave. The uncle interrupts, saying, There is no secret cave. Miles says, He'll make his own as he commands Viper on, which shoots a, like a drop.
0: Viper, on! I love that mask, Mayhem.
1: This is the first time I thought I'd ever hear Rax actually compliment. Rax says, I love his mask. uh, uh, I laughed out loud at that. I was
2: like, okay, now you're... uh, When did you become Nash Gory and you're giving Miles all the compliments? I mean, that's never been Rax.
1: Right. Well, I had to actually because I thought he said, I love this man. Then I replayed it. and No, it's his mask, not him. <laughs> yeah. so he's specific, he is specific. Right. Um, Miles continues to threaten that he'll melt the whole grotto if he has to. Then instructs Rax to show the uncle the map. Rax states that according to their info, the map leads to a cavern. Miles instructs the uncle read the map or he could detonate the bomb he set back in the village as he gingerly wiggles his thumb over the button.
2: And I wrote here, damn. Yep. Holy cow. <laughs>
1: he, he's not messing around
2: anymore, man. Nope. I mean, we've had Mayhem, like, uh, threaten some people before. But just shoving him, the old man, around in this episode and then threatening to blow up a, a village, I was like, wow, that's a whole nother level that I'm just not used to seeing from Mayhem. Right. So that was uncle- a nice shot too. I'm sorry. Oh, that yeah. was a no, really no. nice shot too of uh the thumb on the trigger. Yep. you get the close up of his thumb going down, and then the guy says no, and it fades kind of and his uh him in the background becomes into picture. So right. and you get right. Miles' thumb in the foreground. So that was a really cool transition shot there.
1: Oh, yes. Then the uncle conforms with Rax asking when did he have time to set the bomb?
0: I didn't. But he doesn't know that.
1: <laughs> I swear they took this from a scene of Werewolf, because <laughs> We're String fine. did the same thing. It's time. All I have to do is push a button. Then That's you nice see trick. the guy. You see the guy with a cigar. Because <laughs> he, call, he called. <laughs> but it's funny. But yeah. So now we see Rax in this piranha sub.
2: Right. Yeah. He shoots off into the river, and Mayhem follows the uh, the uncle there into the cave. The old man, uh, vampire pulls up alongside the sub from the road above. And then we get, uh, mayhem whistle. I I think it was mayhem. That was whistling from, uh, the, the pathway now, like high above where they were at. Yeah. So I didn't understand that whole thing. Why, how they got up there so quick and they never had that perspective again throughout the rest of the episode where they're like way up high on the side of the mountain there. And they're down below by the river. So anyway, about this time is when Scott and T-Bob and the girl arrive. And she's calling out for a grandfather, but he's not there. She wants to show Scott the grotto. And Scott suggests, hey, there's a canoe. Let's go take that. And I wrote down, oh, I smell trouble. Really didn't get into too much trouble, though, which was surprising. But anyway, she says uh, she knows the way. So Scott says, let's go. Inside the cave now, we hear Rax, uh, I guess he r- runs into a rock with a sub.
0: I can't see in this blackout. I keep running into things.
2: Now, I, th- I, this might be hard to depict in the in the show, kind of shading everything or making that cavern... Look darker than it was yeah. so you could get the glow from the eventually the glow worms, but I was just like, okay It's not really a blackout. You're no. just a horrible driver so anyway, he tells him to get rid of the light so the glow worms will come out and Mayhem asked the old man again how they can go any farther They seem to be at a stopping point there as far as the map and he threatens to blow up the village again and the old man takes this uh, seashell he has around his neck and uh, blows into it and makes this sound. And I guess these were the glow worms, but it more looked like fireflies or something, just like Mm -hmm. glowing bugs. And they – I mean, this is a pretty cool thing where you can command these glowing bugs to kind of show you the way. And they – even Malloy says at one point that it's like showing them down a runway, you know, with the glowing – Which is cool, but it just didn't work out well or translate well to the animation. So they keep moving forward in the cave with Venom. Now Mask is outside at the mouth of the cave, and they see Switchblade just sitting there.
0: Well, we know that Mayhem's in there. And probably the kids by the look of those footprints by the river. But we can't read the map. We'll have to do without it. The chief said we can see by the light of the worms. Let's go
2: they jump in the vehicles take off we get a nice conversion scene here of shark uh that was pretty awesome and then dusty uh follows in gator's boat shooting into the river and then we've got thunderhawk on the road uh did not see firefly at this point but we'll see it later uh that's actually with them as well um, we're back to uh, Mayhem now with the old man again, and he again does the seashell, seashell trick. Susie as, as he sells seashells, by the seashore. Uh, <laughs> Mayhem takes a deep breath, says,
0: This is it! I know it! I can almost smell the pearls!
2: Okay. <laughs> they move forward as uh, Rex stops the sub and kind of whistles, and then they look up, and here they are. They see these huge clams and these huge pearls inside. Mayhem gets a nice chuckle that he should have brought a shopping cart and tells Rax and Malloy to get busy. Rax runs up, picks one up, and I likened it to uh, Al Bundy uh, dusting off his uh, bowling ball.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Had a
2: cradle in his his arm there, and he's saying, uh, look at the size of this thing. And the old man, he kind of sneaks off a little bit, and it looked like he found another seashell, like back in a crevice, like yep. a hidden crevice. And he blows it again, and now the the clams close up on him. And Rax is in the middle of trying to pry it back open, and Mayhem uh, grabs the seashell from the, the old man. He throws it on the ground and stomps on it. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You just. I don't want to get him open, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh. The old man shouts at the seashell, The Protector! And Mayhem tells him to get out of here.
0: Get out of here, old man, before I lose my temper! <laughs>
2: and again, Mayhem was vicious in this episode. It was. He shoves him into the river, which is now more like rapids and you see the old man kind of washing away and Mayhem is just laughing at him, you know, uh, standing above and watching him go down the river. That was just wow. (laughs) A new level for Mayhem. But um, we uh, switch back over now to uh, Scott and T-Bob and the girl in the canoe.
1: Right. and They're pretty far in the cave as Tikaha notices the grandfather or slash uncle. Tikaha! Tikaha! I had the same thought. That's why I paused because I really wanted to do it. Uh, <laughs>
2: couldn't help myself, sorry.
1: I I had to bite my tongue there too when you said referenced Al Bundy. I wanted to go stay right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <sighs> See this is what you get for your nickel. <laughs> yep. Yep. So anyway, we cut to them walking and sitting the uncle down on the ground as he tells her that it's
0: not safe to be there. I have lost the protector of the cave. What's the protector of the cave? There is a secret cave of giant pearls guarded by a conch shell. One note from it and the oysters will close. But it is destroyed now. A noise makes the oysters close up? Hmm. t It's Scott, can you hear me? I hope we're not too far away. Loud and clear, son. Scott
1: then readies to Mass, telling them about the sound from the shell. Matt says they'll see what they can do. Just get out of the cave. Then we see the mask come down. Where's the freaking command? Sorry. <laughs>
2: well, he does give a command and a weird one of that.
1: Yeah. As Mass states that he'll have to try to find the right frequency, he instructs Spectrum conch shell frequency scanner. The frequency <laughs> scanner for <What>? conch shell. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. Let me uh, set this up while I'm uh, creating this mask. The uh, conch shell frequency scanner.
1: Yeah. What? Anyway, Anyway, so then the rest of the masks on the team come on, which, again, that was way out of place. There was no command. And the command that he does issue has nothing to do with, you know, defense mode or whatever else.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so now we cut back to Venom who has been able to open and get more pearls, baffled that they thought they destroyed the shell. I'm, that's that's me. I was baffled.
2: Yeah, but I was like, if, how, how are these back open again? Uh, there was, I guess, two shells. I thought maybe one to open and one to close. Right. So maybe the one, the original one they still had, but they didn't develop that. So no. Yeah, I'm like, how are they able to open them up again anyway? I
1: don't know. So then the oysters begin to close up again they're catching Miles' arm and most of Rax.
0: What's going on? Mass? Load those pearls into your sub, Rax! Get that bird of yours moving!
1: Now we see... Firefly transforms as Floyd puts his mask on and hops on Vampire. He's transforming as he does a wheelie. Some skillful animation of Firefly and Vampire dodging lasers and stalactites. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Rax stumbles with a load of pearls and other pearls already loaded in the sub, which I don't know how the guy even steered this thing, let alone (laughs) kept it floating. Then we see how Stiletto Mask is put on as he states that this should be enough as he floats away. It was weird because it, it it came out from the dash. It looked like it just. Yeah, we'd never seen that before. No. At least
2: I don't remember seeing that before. Uh, how you get your mask on in the sub. And right. you're right. It, it was like it's down in the nose of the vehicle somewhere. Put on his head. It was cool to see. Uh, yeah. You know.
1: Well, here I noticed that Rax's voice changes to Floyd's. Did you catch that? I did.
0: I'll share one with you guys. Now you see me, now you don't, fish mate.
1: And she <laughs> launches a goop onto a Piranha's windshield.
2: Yeah, a I Rax didn't crashes. notice that at first. I was like, yeah.
1: what, what just happened there? How did he crash?
2: But I, I guess that's what the missile was, the goop.
1: So now Rax crashes and... It's not the bike he gets ejected from. It's not the piranha sub he gets ejected from while he's trying to grab two of those pearls and ends up landing in front of one of those large oysters, jostling the two pearls out of his hands and into the oyster, which then closes it up.
0: Hey, give it back!
1: Julio is being followed by Floyd.
2: Right, and we're uh, back to Firefly and Vampire and their dogfight. Julio shoots his rear laser now back at Malloy. He's kind of cocky about how he maneuvers Vampire away. And Bruce steps up then with Lifter. This is the essential Lifter that we heard about in the beginning of the show when he was called up to hold Vampire steady and in place and forcing him to fly into a stalactite. I thought this was great like I'd never seen Bruce use lifter to like against a vehicle or force something a vehicle into uh, you know an object to wreck it so this was pretty cool but anyway so he holds vampire in place and he flies straight into the stalactite
0: Start. that's it for-
2: And he shoots the Viper mask at Matt, which misses narrowly. Matt kind of dodges it. And then Mayhem runs down the tunnel. And we cut to Switchblade converting and taking off. Now with Vampire close behind and the Piranha Sub in the water. I was like, no, no, no. We just blew up the Sub. We just crashed Vampire. How are they behind Switchblade? How does that happen? I mean, they, they just totally screwed up the script right here. And at one point back when miles is in there and he shoves the old man off. And, and when mask comes on scene, I'm like, he doesn't have his vehicle. How's, how's mayhem going to get out of here? The piranha sub is full of pearls. Uh, vampire only has one driver. Uh, you can't fit another fat guy on there. <laughs> how's mayhem going to get out of this. And all he does is run down the cave. Down the tunnel, the opposite direction that mask comes in and he's immediately right there at switchblade to get out of the situation. So that was a huge downer for me, but uh, we get down to the final part of the episode here
0: back to the camp. The chief says, thanks to your mask friends, Amori culture is saved from intruders. Uncle, you should have seen Scott. He was so brave and he knew just what to do. Really? Uh,
2: he just wanted to go for a ride with her in the canoe That's all I was seeing there. Anyway, she runs over and rubs noses again with him, and everyone laughs, and T-Bob says he can stay on the island if you want to, Scott. Scott says, tells him to cut it out, and he chases him as we fade to black in the end of the episode. Uh, and up to our PSA. As the duo
1: are watching TV, we hear Scott's stomach growl.
0: Bob, would you go and see if the TV dinners are ready yet? This is the best part. Hmm, they're still frozen. I have to relight the oven.
1: As he grabs for the matches, we hear an explosion. Scott's eyes get big and he yells, What happened? He then lectures. He doesn't even say, Are you okay? It's just, <laughs> You should never light a match if you smell gas. Run and tell an adult. Boom. That's it. Well, he does actually.
2: It, it, it was a it wasn't good. But <laughs> so, did he
1: actually say something? It when Scott like comes in. Straight... Yeah.
2: No. When Scott comes in, he asked T Bob, Are you all right? And then he asked, What happened? And then he immediately knows what happens and says uh, you know, you should never light a match if you smell gas. You should get an adult. So and the the crazy thing was the only thing that was blown up was T Bob. Like, yeah. none of the kitchen was uh, it was like sparkling clean. Nothing was b- blackened was T-Bob. I was like if you lit a uh a, a, a match and your freaking oven is is <laughs> full of gas and blows up your kitchen is destroyed man not just you. So
1: I'm taking a note from Alf.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh gosh. So it was kind of a downer the the last part of the episode how venom escapes and miraculously the vehicles are uh a fine after running into a stalactite and into a rock i don't know it was kind of up and down but what did you land on for your rating
1: i am at a solid three i did enjoy the episode at least the first half i liked how they had a setup of having a heritage for the tribe and basically the heritage was was the these huge pearls that were like Bundy bowling ball size the suspense of the glow worms and their role was good it was kind of lighting the path lighting the way too but like you said the the i i I liken it that technicolor wasn't available for that era where (laughs) and i'm sorry to give this comparison but like you watch the new voltron on netflix right there every little piece of the lion is now a teal glowing
0: mm-hmm.
1: something or other that you can tell it's illuminate you know it's lighting up it's lit something where back then unless they put a white beam or yellow beam yeah. you really don't know you were lighting anything so, yeah
2: um, I, I i can get that too i mean i i think they could have done that better or, or somehow made it darker and made that uh exactly made it better there weren't worms i mean the whole it's glowworm grotto you're not worms that you're flying around and making a path with the creatures to where you gotta go it's a cool concept but i think just the execution was not there
1: exactly venom's role was actually good he was more a more of a villain than he usually is Mm-hmm. for a good part of it like especially like you noted where he just shoves the the uncle in the river and just watches him while he's <laughs> doing his yeah. malicious laugh. Yeah. Um the use of the conch shells was okay. Obviously they needed some kind of signal to make the oysters react, but I knocked it down because of the lack of commands. The the watch obviously was inconsistent. I usually knock it down and because of that I swore the girl said uncle And then it turned into a grandfather somewhere in the dialogue. And that's why I kept going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, It was because I know somewhere along that date she changed it. Yeah. Um,
2: It it was a little confusing because the old man was the chief's uncle. But yet, and he did call her his niece. And that when they arrive at the camp, she does ask for grandfather. Grandfather, where are you? So I think that all makes sense, but that would have been like a great niece or I I don't, I don't know. Anyway, it
0: was a little confusing. She said
1: uncle at one point and then it shifted to grandfather and that's where I got hung up. I just ticked it. I did it. It wasn't anything I dinged. Then like you mentioned, the quick runaway at the end. I mean, what we're used to it, but what the heck?
2: Um, Yeah. That was way too convenient. And and, I'm, and he ran away, like I was saying. He ran in the opposite direction of where they came in and where Mask came in. Yep. Just down this random tunnel. And boom, right there, Switchblade.
1: Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. That's it. Oh. And then uh, I didn't ding it. More of a tick. But, you know, the PSA had nothing to do with the episode, at least when we first did these mass casts? you know that most of them if not all were for the first at least 10 maybe so episodes were fairly based on the previous episode or that episode Mm -hmm. now it's just we gotta do something Mm -hmm. oh hey we 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 watched alf we explode the oven let's make a psa about that (laughs) sorry i've been on an alf kick lately so that's
2: yeah uh, it's it's possible i don't know
1: that's where i landed i landed on a, a three how about you
2: I'm was very much torn between a three and a two. So I was in that kind of two and a half range. I wanted to make it lower, but I think there was a, a enough in there to make it a, a mask episode, you know? So I ended up rounding it up and I'm on three. Yeah. So we're right there. We was spot on, I guess this whole episode, but the second half was just a roller coaster. Cause you had some great uh, animation the, the transformations of the vehicles, the battles were good between them both. Like you were talking about the firefly and vampire back and forth there through the stalactites. I mean, that, that was great. And they just fell flat on the, the story, the, the whole thing. Cause at one point I'm like, how is mayhem going to get out of here? He doesn't have switchblade and he's doesn't have a, you know, he doesn't have a vehicle and the other two just blew up. I'm like, how are they going to get out of here? And they just down this tunnel and you're free. Uh, that was a huge markdown. I, I I don't know. I'm, I might talk myself into it too before I'm done here. But <laughs> uh, so just some of the like the firsts though that we saw. Like I couldn't remember if it was uh, the first time we we had the watch. I know that was the first time I had seen the mask come on in the sub, which was cool to see. So there was some some fun stuff like that that we just never seen before. But you know, and then it would go kind of back and forth with the blunders of just putting a solid episode together. So it's kind of those, eh, yeah, I there's some stuff that is uh, salvageable in this episode. It's not a total loss, but they could have done a lot better with uh, what they had. And uh, I, I didn't mind that, you know, I think May, uh, Venom showed up around the 12-minute mark in a 22-minute episode, so they packed a lot, and there was a lot of back-and-forth throughout the the last half of the episode that made it really fun and I like when they kind of go back and forth between scenes you got Scott and them you got masks showing up and then you got venom in the tunnel and then they finally all kind of meet together there at the end so I thought they did a good job with uh, at least the the production value of uh, how they put the episode together but the <laughs> they just was like all right he's got to find some way out and we'll just You know, give them a tunnel. It was stupid. (laughs) Totally stupid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we're on threes. Uh, Any script similarities you saw while watching?
1: I was trying to pick out a few, but I I really couldn't. I couldn't find anything that was similar to our our script.
2: I I had nothing along that lines either. Uh, Moving over to our listener feedback here obviously we've been away for a while and a lot, not a lot of people voted, but the ones who did vote was a 50, 50 tie with a four and a three. So around that three and a half range, which is uh, just about where we landed a little on the high side, but uh, two of the votes in there are three. So yeah, there we are. Uh, one review this time around from Renee declare.
1: He says, uh, it seemed like Julio Lopez was being set up to be Matt's new right-hand man in the final stretch of season 1 here he is even called an official representative of the Matt Tracker Foundation i guess bruce must have gotten jealous and that's why he had to remind matt that he was tonto to his lone ranger
2: kimosabi yep
1: yep but you you know i'm i'm commenting here but he also said faithful sidekick if you yeah. heard matt said that
2: well, and, and technically too, in the at least in the call up, Bruce is the co-pilot for Thunderhawk. Yep. We've seen Gloria sit there as well, but it's it's an interesting point that he's making about Julio and and as much as uh he, they're touting him as a representative of the Tracker Foundation, yeah, I can definitely see that.
1: Uh, then Renee continues, but then he didn't even get his own vehicle on this mission and took out his frustration by nearly crashing Firefly for no reason at all except it was time for the commercial break cliffhanger. Right, yeah. The Maori names seem to be pronounced different by every character, including the Maori, the Maoris themselves. Yeah. So I looked them up in the novelization by Kenneth Harper for the correct spelling. They are Chief uh, Kataya, spelled K-A-I-T-A. I a uncle Paparoa P-A-P-A-R-O-A and young Tikaha T-E space K-A-H-A. I also enjoyed how the regular characters had a a bit of development like Scott Mm -hmm. beginning to like girls his own age and Gloria having finally realized that Matt is never going to ask her out. So we see her dancing with strangers at the disco. I gave this episode a four out of five. Yeah. That's actually a good point. You know, we don't think about it. Of course, it's a cartoon. Why would we? But, you know, maybe Gloria is like, well, oh, I really am just another teammate, not something <laughs> <Yeah>. else.
2: <laughs> well, we kind of explore that in our script. Uh, I didn't even think about that angle of it. But, yeah, well, like I said, I remember them. They're in Vegas on vacation together for that one episode. the I think it was Counterclockwise Caper.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised I can remember that. Yeah, sure good. Um, but yeah, so, and there's these little pieces where, uh, Gloria is over in the PSAs too, where she and Matt are like lounging by the pool and something happens with Scott and T-Bob. So there, she's kind of in and out of the picture romantically with Matt, you know, throughout the whole thing. And there's episodes where, which one was it? Where she, Matt is trapped somewhere. Oh, I think it was, uh. The one at uh, Mount Fuji with with the big drill machine, Uh, the the dang episode escapes me. I think it's in the first ten. But when Matt's trapped down there and Buddy uses Firecracker to go down in there with Penetrator to rescue Matt underneath the volcano. and, And he emerges at the end and she like throws off her mask and is like, Matt. And she's so happy to, you know, see him again. So there's been little hints of that all along the way, and just has never developed into a full fledged relationship. So it's interesting uh, those hints, and then in this episode where she's apparently on a date with somebody else, so <laughs> taking a little break from the uh, that little angle yeah. that we've seen before, you know. So anyway, that was uh, a good comment there, and then coming up next time. Episode 56, The Stone Trees. And in this one, Mask member Jacques Lafleur finds a stone tree inscribed with strange symbols. Venom later steals the tree, hoping it will lead them to a golden Indian totem. So we're going on another treasure hunt this time. Sounds like it will be uh, in the U.S. I could be wrong, though. We'll see. But uh, sounds like we're coming back home for the next episode so I gotta look up that episode it's bugging me now what is uh what is episode 10 of Mask I think it's episode 10 I don't know how I can remember this crap off the top of my head but
1: <laughs> yeah I, it sounds uh, exactly right let me see if I can find it too
2: It's the one where Bruce is the main person along the trip this time and oh God I should know it I should know it.
1: Episode it's, 10 is Death from the Sky.
2: No, it's the Magma Mall. It's episode 11. Magma Mall, yeah. Yeah. Magma Mall is the one I'm thinking of that Matt gets trapped down in there, and Gloria's all happy to see him at the end. So, all right. Well, we uh, appreciate everybody listening to Mass Cast, and hopefully, we'll get the next episode to you before too long. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, get a chance to very soon uh, before. We're back to our normal lives.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, this was fun, man. Always a blast. And I uh, want to thank you all for being patient with us as we had a couple months in between episodes. But, wanna, again, want to thank you for coming alongside us, watching and listening to us on MassCast. And until next time, he's Jason. I'm Wyatt. And we'll see you next time on MassCast.
0: Conch shell frequency scanner on!